Earlier in the week, I was, uh, I was visiting Cookfield Museum. I didn't even know that Cookfield had a museum until very recently. Um, but I, I was there with some folk that I knew, and uh, I asked a, a friend's son what he thought we might see in our time in the museum. And he pondered for a moment, and he said, stuff that's old. <laughs> and I went, well, yeah, um, that's probably fair enough, because they do have some fossils there, and they are very old indeed. But as we looked around the museum, my friend suddenly turned and said, look, look, and I, I turned to see what the family had found. And in the glass display case, there was a 50p piece. <laughs> there was other things too. It wasn't just one 50p piece that was there, but there was a 50p piece. And it was this 50p piece that they were looking at because they'd not seen one like it before, and I'd not seen one like it before, because it had a picture of the king's head. So not only did they have old things, they had something very new. It was the first one I'd seen. And for some strange reason, I then got a bit excited. And then I shoved my hand in my pocket. And I pulled out what loose change I had. And I went, well, uh, not there. I, I had three. I've not spent any money since. So, um, or at least not in cash terms. Um, three 50 pence pieces. And I looked at the first one. Turn it over. And they had a picture of the queen. Then I picked up the second one, and it had a picture of the queen. And then, on the third one, was a picture of the queen. <laughs> and I went, oh dear. But I wonder, you know, if, if we had had one of those coins, would we have noticed it? Would we have just got it in our change and popped it in our pocket or into our purse? Don't all go looking just now and do that after the service. You know, and, and, and gone, oh, that's different, that's new. If it was as shiny as the one in the museum, you probably would have noticed something about it. But the, there's many... Um, special 50p coins out there, maybe for the Olympics back in 2012, or for Peter Rabbit, or there was one for the Battle of Hastings, not actually in um, more recently than that. Uh, but do they, do they simply pass through our hands, or do we notice things of the everyday? Paddington Bear! There we go. Now that is a special one, isn't it? You kept it safe. Wonderful news, Pat. You know, sometimes we don't notice what the everyday is. 
The woman from Sechar has an everyday practice, an everyday routine. She doesn't go with the other women of the village. She goes to get water, but she goes herself. She goes at noon. This is noon that this is happening. A hot time of day, you know. That time when, what is it, mad dogs and Englishmen and it would seem a certain Samaritan woman that doesn't want to be seen goes out in the midday sun. That she is seen doing that very normal activity, that everyday activity. Jesus is there and he starts a conversation. And as he starts that conversation, what that leads on to starts a change in a whole community because of how she responds. But what is he doing there? The Lord is about a day and a half into the the sort of three to four day most direct route from Jerusalem to Galilee. He'd been in the holy city for the festival of Passover. He'd turned over the money changers' tables in the temple courtyard. That's told in two different times. At the first Passover, early in John's gospel, and in the other gospels, we hear of it happening after the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, on Palm Sunday. So he turned over the tables in the courtyard. He'd had the nighttime encounter with Nicodemus that you heard of last week. And then moved into the Judean countryside where his friends had conducted baptisms. In all this time, he's making clear in different ways how things that are seen and are accepted are not necessarily how they should be. And how the things that we get used to in our everyday life are maybe not how things should be. And how we have to open our eyes and take notice of the world that we live in so that we can open others' eyes too how people worshipped, how they thought about their relationship with God, how they lived, all came under his teaching. But now, as he rests on this journey, he sees a woman who is hiding in plain sight there because others are not there. And the healer seeks to do something for heartbrokenness. Could anything be more normal in a hot place in the middle of the day than asking for a drink, asking for some water to be shared?
this context, it is unusual. The teaching of the time by some rabbis was that a man should not teach to a, uh, should not speak to a woman in public. That's it. End of conversation. A man should not speak to a woman in public. And that was any woman. It included the man's wife. You shouldn't be talking to your wife in the street. I can't see that going down very well. You know? That was the rule. Whether it was actually followed as closely as many people tried to teach it is a different matter. Right? Just because something was there in the teaching, it didn't mean to say that it was being followed. And obviously, it's not something that we would follow today. But certainly, opening a conversation on any topic with a woman that you'd not met before was simply scandalous. As was the idea of interacting with a Samaritan. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't interact. Put all that together, and it's well wider. How the woman responds. How, how can you ask me for a drink? You know, how can you do that? How can you? open this conversation? How can you say a single word to me? We don't associate. And if you see the footnote in the Bible, it, it, it takes it further. It, it says that um, some of the early texts had um, the sense of we don't share utensils. Jews and Samaritans didn't share utensils. What was he got a drink out of? Would he really drink out of her cup? Or out of her jug? For the past three years, and I say three years because Actually, this Sunday, three years ago, was the last one that we had together in the morning before lockdown. For the past three years, our communion has not involved sharing a common cup, but always for hygiene, having our own individual glass. But we still talk of it as sharing the cup, as an understanding of being in fellowship with one another for being in communion with God and with one another. It would seem here, in John 4, like elsewhere actually, that Jesus has a very open table policy. Some were fundamentally opposed to his sharing with meals with tax collectors or prostitutes that were of a Jewish background they would have been apoplectic at the idea of a Samaritan woman 
but we are shown that whatever boundary we might have in place on who we might connect with, Jesus pushes the door wider and says, I'll eat and drink with you. Whoever you are, Jesus says, I'm happy to share with you. Jesus welcomes people of each and every background to get to know him. For he knows each one of us better than we know ourselves. It doesn't mean everything in their life is good. Just as everything in our lives is not always good. But it does reflect that we are loved and that the world is loved. Earlier in John's Gospel, before Philip told Nathaniel of the one Moses and the prophets had written about, before Philip had said to Nathaniel, come and see, Jesus had seen Nathaniel under the fig tree and was able to speak about him and who he was. Likewise, here at the well, a few chapters later, we find out something of the woman gathering water. Jesus has seen her at the well, but has seen more of her than anyone else there could have. He knows more about her than could be gathered from this encounter. He has seen into her heart and speaks of her five husbands. Though the word translated as husband doesn't necessarily mean that they were married. Five partners. And the current one is not her husband. Suggesting, actually, that it might be somebody else's. Yet Jesus effectively says, I'll share a cup with you. In fact, I'll do more than that. I'll give you living water. Whether she gets that Old Testament reference to the Holy Spirit is a bit moot. You know, the Samaritans only had the Pentateuch. They didn't have all the Hebrew scriptures that we have in the Old Testament. So they she wouldn't necessarily have that concept of living water that we know being the spirit. But he has met her where she was, not at the temple, not at the synagogue, not at her home, not on the mountain that the Samaritans prayed at. He met her simply doing her daily chores. He has met her and showed her love. God sees us in our comings and our goings, in our daily chores, doing all the things that we have to do. 
doing the shopping, bit of hoovering, heading off to work, coming home in the evening, looking after children or grandchildren, even having a nap in front of the telly. He sees us and knows us and loves us. He knows our history. He knows our present situation and whatever is in that past or that now, he loves us and offers us a future, a new life with the living water that is his spirit. She had been avoiding folk. That's what she was doing at the well. But now, she leaves her jug, her jar, whatever container it was that she'd gone to get the water in, and heads back to the village and speaks honestly. Speaks honestly to all. The man at the well knows me. He knows everything about me. She is confessing before everybody who she is. The thing that she was trying to avoid getting into a conversation about, she is now suddenly very open about. The Samaritan understanding of a coming Messiah recognized he would reveal truth and that he would bring restoration. And that's certainly happening. And the women hear the truth and see that there has been a restoration between her and God. If that was a place where there was a hole and, and there suddenly becomes a sort of restoration between her and the rest of the village. And the villagers accept the testimony of the woman. The woman who's saying, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the one. Women were not often listened to. Remember on Easter morning, the disciples don't really trust the testimony of the women who say that Jesus is risen. Despite the Lord's teaching that he was going to die, despite all he'd said about rising, about new beginnings, at the sunrise, the disciples didn't believe They didn't believe what the women who'd encountered Jesus said. But here, many Samaritan villagers are immediately convinced. And as she says, come and see, they come. The disciples had been focused 
on the normal things of life. Comings and goings. They have to go and get the food from the village. They have to bring it back to Jesus. But the getting of food from the place that a woman with a bit of history is now bringing a huge crowd to meet the Lord is a bit different, isn't it? And Jesus looks and identifies this as a rich harvest. There was a rich harvest in the place that they had just been. And they came back with lunch. Jesus says, open your eyes. Open your eyes. I wonder, are there, are there things of faith that are passing them by? Do the disciples understand the big picture? Are they getting it? Do we? The Baptist John had sown seeds. Others through the years had also spoken truth. But the disciples thought harvest was still some time away. It literally was, in the sense of agriculture, not being long after Passover. We're talking about this story being about a month from now. It's sort of mid-April time when this is all happening. But Jesus says, look again. Look again and you'll see a harvest. Maybe there are seeds already planted in our community that is producing a ripe harvest that needs gathering. Maybe that's a harvest that we need to gather. The crowd did not appear by dint of the disciples just going into the village and buying food. It happened when the women said, come and see. It's great to worship God. It's good to model a faithful life. It's good to show who we are to our friends, our families, our colleagues. But for the kingdom to grow, we have to at some point say, why don't you come and see? We have to say, why don't you discover something more of God's love? We have to give that challenge. It's less than a month between now and Easter. This year in Holy Week, we will have services on Wednesday, a normal monthly Wednesday worship at lunchtime. We'll have a joint service with the other churches on Monday, Thursday. We'll have a service on Good Friday as well as Easter Day. Maybe you could invite someone on one of those days that they could hear something new of the love of God. Maybe they need to encounter the one that brings truth and restores lives.
maybe they need to come and see and discover an excitement about the king of kings shining in this place. For he is God. And if we can get excited about maybe seeing a shiny 50p coin, maybe we also need to be excited and say, come and see about the Lord. Amen.